Welcome to this Touch podcast activity, which has been recorded for Touch Infectious Diseases. Two experts in infectious diseases, Dr. Farhan Fazal from the United Arab Emirates and Dr. Nada Melhem from Lebanon, respond to questions from the primary care, respiratory and infectious diseases communities. Pre-canvassed questions were gathered from healthcare professionals involved in managing COVID-19 vaccinations. The questions cover the benefits and risks of COVID-19 vaccination, what prevents people from getting vaccinated, and how healthcare workers can help to improve COVID-19 vaccine uptake. This activity is funded by an independent medical education grant from Moderna Inc. This activity is jointly provided by USF Health and Touch IME. Hello, my name is Nada Milhem. I'm an associate professor of infectious diseases and microbiology at the American University of Beirut, Lebanon. I'm here today with Dr. Farhan Fazal, uh, an infectious disease consultant from the Sheikh Khalifa Medical City Hospital in Abu Dhabi. Welcome, Dr. Fazal. It is my pleasure to welcome you all to this discussion on practical considerations for COVID-19 vaccination in the Middle East. Uh, what we will be discussing today uh, are the following. First of all, what are the benefits and the risks of COVID-19 vaccination? What are the structural and key barriers uh, that prevent people from getting vaccinated? And how can healthcare professionals help to improve COVID-19 vaccine uptake? We will start with the first part of our discussion, uh, and this is the benefits and the risks of COVID-19 vaccination. COVID-19 vaccines uh, have been successful at uh, reducing the severity of the disease and uh, accordingly protecting against increased risk of hospitalization. And we do have multiple evidence uh, from uh, the entire parts of the world. And we do have also as well uh, similar evidence from the countries of the Middle East, albeit they are minimal. We do have studies from Saudi Arabia, from Qatar, from the United Arab Emirates, uh, using different platforms of COVID-19 vaccines. And all of these studies have actually uh, reported the ability of these vaccines to reduce severe disease uh, following uh, COVID-19 infection as well as hospitalization and consequently reduce the impact on healthcare systems. One of the most important uh, factors that we talk about when we discuss uh, COVID-19 vaccines uh, is actually related to adverse events. And uh, the most commonly reported adverse events uh, uh, from uh, the Middle East, from data of the Middle East, uh, include dizziness, headache, nausea, uh, musculoskeletal pain, uh, pain at the injection site of the vaccine, fatigue and fever. And, uh, uh, you know, in most of the cases, the adverse events uh, have been mostly non-serious with higher incidence in females as well as younger people. Since the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, we have uh, observed the evolution of SARS-CoV-2, the, co the causative agent of COVID-19. And this is an RNA virus that continuously mutates and uh, has the ability accordingly to uh, escape uh, the protection from vaccines and immune responses. We've had uh, a number of variants of concerns. We've had uh, the alpha, the beta, the gamma, the delta, and most recently the Omicron. Uh, 
we will discuss uh, more uh, the uh, impact of vaccination and the effectiveness following COVID-19 vaccines uh, against uh, Omicron and its uh, sublineages simply because uh, Omicron and its sublineages have replaced all the previously circulating variants of concern. And again, the evidence show that uh, uh, for the majority of the available and administered, vac administered vaccines in the Middle East, uh, the, the effectiveness of these vaccines to protect against, effect against infection with Omicron and specifically BA5 ranges between 24% to 48%. And also the protection against severity of disease ranges between 37% uh, to 73%. COVID-19 vaccination, similar to other vaccines, is vital in vulnerable people as well as individuals at high risk. And when we talk about these uh, high-risk individuals, we have in mind children, pregnant women, immunocompromised patients, and elderly. Uh, unfortunately, only around one-third of children are vaccinated against COVID-19 in the region. And this is mostly due to hesitancy due to safety concerns, uh, uh, as well as misinformation about the vaccine. When we uh, talk about COVID-19 infection and pregnancy, we have to remember that COVID-19 infection can increase the risk of adverse outcomes, including stillbirth, cesarean delivery, as well as preterm birth. However, vaccination does not increase the risk of adverse outcomes, but in fact, maternal vaccination against COVID-19 confers protection to pregnant women and their newborns. Immunocompromised patients require special attention as infections are a common cause of mortality. Now, while vaccine efficacy and effectiveness are, uh, is generally, are generally lower, uh, immunocompromised patients were able to uh, mount neutralizing antibodies against COVID-19, albeit requiring further protection and boosting. The same case is uh, the story with uh, elderly, whereby high risk of mortality is uh, detected following COVID-19 infection and waning immune responses. And consequently, we do have to uh, provide this group as well with extra attention. Now, Dr. Fazal, let's take a look at the questions related to the benefits and the risk of COVID-19 vaccination that we've received from our audience. So, Dr. Fazal, people often ask why uh, do they need to get vaccinated if they have already been infected? And uh, also, uh, they know people who have been vaccinated but still became infected with COVID-19. So, how can we help communicate the importance of vaccination to these people? Uh, we need to understand that no vaccine is 100% uh, uh, efficacious in preventing the infection. Ideally, we would want that, but currently the vaccines do not offer that. But the important part is that the current vaccines prevent serious infections and death. And that is what we really want uh, uh, to prevent the overall mortality and morbidity around the world. Now, regarding the first question of uh, if you've only been infected, do we really need the vaccine? The answer is yes again, because as we know, with time, the natural immunity wanes down. And so the vaccine that we are going to give is going to boost up this immunity and help us uh, have an effect of uh, prevention of serious illnesses and death in these patients with newer variants. I totally agree with you that uh, while this vaccine does not actually prevent the acquisition of the disease, uh, however, the, uh, the asset of this vaccine is its ability to reduce severe outcomes and hospitalization rates. 
Dr. Fazal, uh, another uh, concern and uh, or question, if you like, uh, is that people uh, always uh, voice their concerns about the side effects of COVID-19 vaccination. And this is particularly related to specific fears of cardiovascular events. Have you seen these side effects in your practice? And how do you alleviate people's concerns on these matters? So personally, I haven't seen anybody who has direct effects of the vaccines having the side effects. But literature does show that there are chances of myocarditis with, uh, uh, with the vaccines. Uh, the numbers vary depending on the type of study that they have taken. But a rough estimate is that uh, patients who are male specifically in the age of 19 to 39 uh, have 8.9% uh, or 8.7% uh, per million cases of myocarditis is seen. Now, again, if you ask me, have I seen patients who have been infected with COVID infection having myocardial infarction, pulmonary embolism, myocarditis? The answer is yes. And the numbers uh, are huge uh, compared to those that are uh, being documented in literature. If you see uh, studies from, from China, 8% of patients who have COVID have some amount of uh, cardiac injury. And there have been studies which have shown that COVID itself is a risk factor for cardiovascular uh, outcomes. And hence, the side effect profile of the vaccines is acceptable. Firstly, because it is very less in number. And secondly, the, the benefits outweigh the risk in a huge, huge way. And therefore, I think this makes sense that uh, vaccines should be uh, advocated. Now, when I describe this to my patients, I give them hard facts. I tell them the numbers and I show them in graphics like, look, if you get infected with the infection, this is your chance of having an outcome. And if you get, get a vaccine, the chances of you having a myocardial infarction or myocarditis is subsequently much lesser uh, than, the, than the former. Dr. Fazal, uh, we've touched upon the presence of uh, different uh, uh, variants of concerns and uh, sublineages of COVID-19. Uh, how effective are the current vaccines against different variants uh, and circulating sublineages? And will this change, do you think, in the future? Yes. So, as you already mentioned in your uh, previous uh, talk, that the current vaccines are efficacious, but the number is lesser than what you expected before. Uh, this could be partly because of the decreasing immunity as time passes by. Or the second part is that the virus is able to evade the immune response or evade the uh, neutralization by the antibodies. Now, the number is less, but it is still effective. That's the first point. Okay. How do we correct this is by making utilization of the booster vaccines, especially if they are bivalent. The CDC recommends a bivalent uh, vaccine, which has the initial Wuhan strain or the initial strain, as well as the newer Omicron strain. Now, what this will do is boost up the immunity, even though if you had a prior infection or you had a, a, a vaccination, this will boost the immunity and increase the chances of you not to have a serious event, a hospitalization and death. Again, as you mentioned earlier, this might not prevent you from having some running nose and fever, but again, it will be able to prevent serious infections and death. Now, regarding the second question, whether this efficacy will be persistent with time. Now, to answer that question, there is a technical uh, advisory group called TAC-COVAC. Again, the job of these experts is to make sure to study and to 
keep informing the manufacturer, the important stakeholders about the efficacy of these vaccines against the newer strains. So there are people, experts who are taking care of this and who are constantly watching us and making sure that the vaccines that we are given have efficacy against the current or the, the future variants that there are uh, possibly going to have. Dr. Fazal, uh, one other question from the audience is uh, related to uh, the evidence uh, uh, about uh, the protection of COVID-19 vaccine that we've mentioned and we've tackled uh, already uh, in terms of protection against severe uh, disease. However, uh, one interesting uh, question is related to do we have uh, any information about the long-term effectiveness and the safety of COVID-19 vaccines? Yes, so the COVID vaccines came uh, a few years back and so the data is only few years limited. Uh, among the literature that we have got, there are no long-term side effects as of now that has been documented. Regarding the safety of the vaccines, uh, whatever data is available up to date uh, shows good safety of the vaccines and there is no long-term side effects or uh, malignancies or autisms or anything of that sort that has been associated with these vaccines. Uh, regarding the uh, efficacy of uh, the vaccines, I think we already touched upon that. So we'll not reiterate the same thing that uh, it is efficacious, uh, although the number or the percentage is lesser. And this percentage can be increased by keeping a track of the vaccine efficacy. And uh, uh, there are uh, experts who are taking care of that as well. Thank you, Dr. Fazal. Uh, so we all agree on the significance and the importance of COVID-19 vaccination at uh, uh, reducing uh, the risk of severe diseases as well as hospitaliz hospitalization. And this actually has a huge impact on uh, the uh, protection of uh, healthcare systems in order to continue uh, to provide uh, support to our patients as we go. We next move, uh, Dr. Fazal, together to uh, another part of the discussion uh, on practical considerations for COVID-19 vaccination in the Middle East. And this is the part on uh, the barriers that prevent people from getting vaccinated. We do have uh, data uh, from the Middle East about the COVID-19 vaccination uptake. Uh, again, we do have minimal studies uh, uh, reporting on uh, COVID-19 vaccination uptake, and uh, they are actually uh, uh, wide uh, variation in terms of the percentage of uptake. And, uh, we, we have seen uh, certain countries with 43% with, with uptake, like Jordan, for example, 25% uptake, like Iraq, 74% uh, uptake, like Iran, and 74% uptake, like Saudi Arabia, and even 100% and more in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, keeping in mind that the UAE and the Saudi Arabia are among the high-income countries compared to uh, other types uh, of uh, 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 countries that are uh, uh, present in the uh, Middle East. And uh, uh, several barriers and drivers have been affecting uh, vaccine uptake in the uh, Middle East. Uh, we do have uh, reports uh, uh, linking the increased likelihood of being vaccinated to being a male uh, or uh, to being uh, a healthcare worker or a healthcare professional, uh, people with higher education as well. 
there's a link between uh, receiving influenza vaccine. So the uh, the likelihood of receiving COVID-19 vaccination is increased also to the increased likelihood of receiving influenza vaccine. And in fact, we had the same results in Lebanon in a study uh, that we performed here actually at the American University uh, of uh, Beirut in Lebanon. Uh, some of the reasons for the hesitancy and thus uh, the uh, low levels of vaccine uptake in, in certain countries of the Middle East are, again, the safety concerns, uh, the belief that the vaccine is not necessary, uh, and the side effects of the vaccines. And uh, on top of that, uh, the lack of perception that COVID-19 actually exerts a risk on uh, our health. Uh, again, I would like to reiterate that the Middle East has some of the richest and poorest countries globally. And consequently, we do have, uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, a wide variation in the uptake of vaccines. That's number one. And the access and availability uh, of the uh, vaccines. And this is, uh, again, important because uh, we know uh, from what we have seen during the past three years that lower income countries were, were hit hard harder by the pandemic, but they still have lower vaccination rates. Uh, Dr. Fazal, let's take a few questions uh, on this part of the discussion in relation to the uh, key barriers uh, preventing uh, the uptake of COVID-19 vaccination. Uh, one of the most common questions, uh, and I'm pretty sure you've uh, had it before, is that parents say that their child has not been vaccinated, but they have had COVID at least once, and these symptoms were mild, and so therefore they don't see uh, how the benefits of vaccination outweigh the risks. Uh, what do you say to parents about vaccinating children, and are there any supporting data in younger individuals? Absolutely. So the uh, the question goes back again, that after natural infection, do we need vaccination? I think the answer is yes to that. Regarding the need for vaccination in patients who are anyways going to have mild infection. Now, to, it's important to remind the uh, public uh, that when you say mild infection, it's in the majority of the patient, it is mild. But there are patients who are immunocompromised, children who are immunocompromised, who have uh, autoimmune diseases, who have malignancies, who do have serious illnesses and poor outcomes. Also, there is an issue of long COVID, which is, uh, which is underreported in children as well. The last thing is that even if if you get vaccinated, the chances of you having a natural infection, the duration of symptoms is going to be lesser. So therefore, the child is going to be able to go to school more often. The lastly, even if your child is immunocompetent or might have a mild disease, the the in the schoolmate that the uh, that the child is playing with might not have a good response with the vaccine, and therefore may be at higher risk of developing serious illness, and therefore. It is important for you to be a good team member and vaccinate yourself. Uh, whether all of this can be just given attributed to the natural infection and uh, the patients will not have any kind of serious illness, that's like taking a chance. Nobody can actually predict an outcome of a patient. We have seen this before during the Delta variant as well, that normal immunocompetent males and females aged 28, 30, 32 have died without having any underlying immunocompromised state. So it's like taking a chance. Uh, whenever there's an option available which has shown uh, safety data that is there with not major side effects that have been reported with the vaccine, I think it's important to understand for the common public as well that 
vaccination gives you an edge uh, and protects not only yourself but also the children that are around and the school teachers who might be immunocompromised. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the the exposure is all over the place and uh, uh, protecting uh, children will also protect their entourage, including uh, older individuals that are at higher risk of, uh, uh, you know, severe uh, outcomes. So, so protecting the the uh, community through the increased uptake of vaccines among children as well as all age groups uh, is extremely important. You've touched upon Dr. Fazal uh, people with comorbidities such as uh, diabetes, heart, heart disease, or obesity, and if they can still receive the vaccine, you've mentioned them uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, what would you advise them about their eligibility, and what about women who are pregnant? So initial uh, trials did not uh, uh, include pregnant women for obvious reasons, but now we have robust data suggesting uh, the importance of uh, vaccination and the safety of the vaccines in pregnancy. Now, all the patients that you mentioned here are the top priority for receiving the vaccination. As per WHO SAGE uh, advisory, which has come, I think, a few weeks back itself, they recommend that these are the kind of patients, patients with heart diseases, kidney diseases, diabetes, who are at high risk of developing serious illnesses and therefore they should be the first ones to get this vaccine and also they should be the first ones to receive the booster dose. So if there is anybody out there who ha who is uh, part of this group, should receive the vaccine. Dr. Fazal, another question uh, that we have from the audience is the following. Uh, so uh, people say that they have been infected with COVID-19 despite being vaccinated. They have doubt about uh, the vaccine and how it works, and they do not see the value of continuing with the vaccination schedule. So what would you uh, tell these people about the value of booster doses? And I know we've discussed that, but it's always good to uh, you know, reiterate. So uh, the CDC has recommended uh, vaccinations, uh, booster vaccinations, with bivalent uh, vaccines, as we mentioned already. Uh, now, from a public health perspective, does it make sense to give everybody, the entire world, the vaccine, knowing that there are still people who haven't received their first dose of vaccines itself? So therefore, uh, from a public health perspective, the WHO has given a top priority, a medium priority, and a low priority, where the countries who are going to give these vaccines can decide based on their infrastructure, based on the availability, and based on the profile of their country uh, uh, to receive or not receive the vaccines. But again, the top priority of the patients uh, sh who should receive the booster vaccines would be the patients who have got comorbidities. Again, the importance of vaccinating is because of decreasing uh, in the immunity with time, which we have already documents uh, uh, in literature available, and as well as different variants coming up. So this is very, very important to make sure that you convey to the patient that booster doses and keeping up with the vaccines is important to make sure that you are increasing your chances of not having a poor outcome with COVID infection. Dr. Fazal, now that the booster vaccines are being implemented and used, uh, how do you think this might affect future vaccination campaigns? And do you feel that the COVID-19 vaccination boosters may become a regular occurrence or be integrated in other healthcare interventions? So this is like asking if 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 uh, Argentina is going to win the next World Cup, isn't it? Uh, nobody can predict the future. That's the answer. That's a real answer. Uh, looking back at the data, uh, the way which uh, 
the CDC has recommended a booster dose with bivalent uh, uh, vaccines and how influenza vaccines also have a yearly update to them. Uh, there is a possibility to, to this. Uh, whether it's going to be successfully handled or it is really going to be needed or not is a difficult question to answer at this point. Uh, and I would want to know your opinion uh, uh, being a part of the technical advisory group as to what do you feel uh, regarding uh, this question? For a successful COVID-19 vaccination, we ought to actually find uh, and think, you know, uh, uh, innovatively uh, uh, across the globe, not only in the Middle East, about tools to really integrate the COVID-19 vaccination with other uh, programs. Uh, and this is important, in my opinion, for sustainability. Uh, and, uh, uh, for example, certain countries have included COVID-19 vaccine or administered COVID-19 vaccination along with flu vaccines. And this, you know, made a, a bigger push uh, for vaccines uptakes in certain countries. So we ought to think about how to place COVID-19 vaccines and, and access to it through, uh, uh, you know, uh, primary healthcare centers, placing it on routine immunization schedules and so on. And this is, to me, important for, for uh, sustainability uh, as we move forward. Dr. Fazal, thank you for, uh, for the insights uh, to this part on the structural barriers and uh, uh, the importance of uh, uh, you know, continuously uh, promoting COVID-19 uh, vaccine. So then this section, uh, we would like to discuss uh, how can healthcare professionals help to improve COVID-19 vaccine uptake. The challenges from influenza vaccination offer good lessons for COVID-19. Uh, influenza vaccination in the Middle East, unfor unfortunately, has been suboptimal, uh, including among healthcare uh, professionals or healthcare workers. And the, re the reasons for the low uptake include the lack of available time, uh, people not being aware of the vaccine, uh, the lack of access to vaccine or availability of vaccines, and the efficacy uh, uh, doubts. Now, uh, influenza vaccination goals, just a quick reminder, are similar for COVID-19. So we have to target the highest groups, such as pregnant women and individuals with comorbid conditions. The, the most uh, stressful component that COVID-19 added to uh, uh, our healthcare uh, infrastructure and uh, the additional challenge to influenza vaccination is the increased burden that it had on healthcare. And uh, of course, uh, we have to think of co-infections that may lead to severe uh, conditions. And so we have a number of uh, uh, components that we have to address in order to actually uh, target misinformation, ensure consistent messaging, and also ensure rollout supporting access. Uh, one of the most important components during the COVID-19 pandemic is to uh, where the conspiracy theories that the misinformation. So we have to really address those through continuous education, uh, uh, awareness campaigns and social media campaigns. We have to mobilize the community to ensure consistent messaging. And by mobilizing the community, we have to involve, you know, religious leaders. We have to involve uh, different layers of our community, 
empower healthcare workers to advocate uh, for vaccination in order to ensure that consistent messaging about the protection against COVID-19 following vaccination. And importantly, we need to promote the integration of COVID-19 vaccines, like we've mentioned earlier, into other healthcare uh, interventions. And we have to always think and target the marginalized individuals and the individuals at high high, uh, risks. Uh, Dr. Fazal, uh, uh, we have uh, uh, received a number of questions about uh, this part uh, uh, on COVID-19 vaccination, and uh, I would like to share with you some of these questions in order to discuss them together. Uh, So, uh, as a researcher working with COVID-19, I've always been asked about the value of vaccination, Uh, but, and then, I still see that many people are still hesitant about it. Uh, Many of them are influenced by misinformation or have false assumptions about COVID-19 vaccine. How can healthcare workers help address these concerns, Dr. Fazal? Yes, so misinformation is everywhere. Uh, Some information or uh, information which is not right uh, makes more damage than good. Now, how do we address as healthcare workers is by education. This also is educating healthcare workers. And now it's the responsibility of the healthcare workers and the common public to put the good word forward. I remember that when the vaccines came out, I myself was scared. So I understand the hesitancy of people when something new comes up. But when there is enough data to suggest, to prove that vaccines are safe and efficacious, people should take that forward. As I mentioned, we have enough data to uh, to show that the vaccines are safe. Now, whenever we see something bad, it's our job to make sure that we avoid it or we try to protect the people uh, from it. So I think we should, as healthcare workers, promote this by education. I think the key word here would be education and communication. These two words make a very, very impactful uh, debate and convince the public that vaccines are here to help and not to uh, do any harm as such. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. If we have learned anything from the COVID-19 vaccine, from the COVID-19 during this pandemic is the importance of continuous sharing of information uh, uh, and uh, updating our communities and the importance of risk communication strategies, actually. Uh, uh, and, and healthcare workers are at the heart of these uh, strategies in order to continuously educate our communities. Dr. Fazal, another uh, question we've received is related to uh, people with autoimmune conditions or immunocompromised individuals uh, who are, uh, uh, you know, uh, ask if they can still take the vaccine. Are there strategies to define how we should be vaccinating these people in terms of vaccine schedule and choice of vaccine platform to use? Yes. So first and foremost, these are the top priority and they should get vaccinated. Because none of the vaccines, the platforms that are available have live attenuated vaccines and therefore there is no risk of these patients getting COVID infection because of the vaccines. Now regarding the schedule of vaccination, anybody who is getting immunosuppressive therapy or specifically rituximab, the American College of Rheumatology suggests that you take the uh, vaccines four weeks before your next cycle. Now, regarding those patients who have CAR T-cell therapy or bone marrow transplant, it is advisable that you take it after three months. 
so that you get a robust uh, response to the vaccination. Regarding other immunocompromised patients, yes, the chances of you having a robust uh, response is less. Nevertheless, you are entitled for a booster vaccine. And therefore, many countries, especially in the Middle East as well, have documented or have recommended an extra dose of vaccine for these specific group of patients who might have uh, a lesser than uh, required uh, uh, response to the vaccine. So regarding the uh, choice of platform or the choice of vaccine to be used in immunocompromised patients, uh, so there is no uh, specific uh, guideline mentioning uh, that you need to take a particular type of vaccine. You could take any vaccines and all the vaccines uh, that are out there are safe. Uh, there are no uh, live vaccines that you're worried about in these kind of immunocompromised patients. So mRNA vaccines or live attenuated vaccines are very, very safe. Uh, and depending on your country and your local guidelines, you should be able to take that vaccine. While some countries in our region have very high vaccination, vaccination rates, there remains a lot of inequality in terms of vaccine and resource availability. How can we improve coordination between healthcare workers and other agencies or neighboring countries to enhance access to vaccines and encourage vaccine uptake? Yes, so the uh, basic issue is uh, inequality in the vaccination that is seen around the region. Now, this is a multi-sectorial or multi-pronged problem as such. Uh, on one hand, there are countries where the vaccine is not available itself, even if the people want it. On the other hand, there are countries where vaccine is available, it's also free, but people don't want to take it. Uh, so, how do we make sure that everybody around in the section, in the in the region is vaccinated? Now, this will require multiple uh, coordinated effort. Uh, what I mean to say by that is healthcare workers promote vaccination, political willingness, the politicians, the patients, the stakeholders, make sure that the vaccines are available at a reasonable cost or free if, if possible. And then education, where the people are educated that whenever there's an opportunity to take the vaccination, they should be willing to take the vaccination. But so it, it's a difficult question to answer. Uh, but I hope as we move along and as collaboration across the globe increases, we will be able to achieve this target. There have been several organizations working to improve access to vaccines such as COVAX. Uh, can you tell us more about some of the work they are doing and what impact they have made so far? Absolutely. So, uh, so COVAX is one of the international uh, collaboration uh, center where, where the idea is to have uh, equitable access. So no matter what your country is financially doing or uh, the number of people that there are in the country. The idea is to have uh, vaccine accessible to everyone around the globe. As mentioned in their website on the top, you would see that no one is safe until everybody is safe. Until all of us get vaccinated, the chances of variants coming up is going to be higher. And therefore, even the people who are vaccinated will have a lesser chance of uh, an outcome with the infection. COVAX has been able to do great work uh, in, in countries. Uh, to mention a few, there are a lot of vaccines have been uh, given to Bangladesh. Uh, they have done fantastic work in Peru, in Vietnam, with the help of UNICEF as well. So there is a lot of collaborative effort of COVAX uh, along with international bodies to make sure to coordinate between the manufacturers, the stakeholders who are entrusted with the uh, responsibility of making sure that everybody gets the vaccine uh, uh, that is required 
Yeah, in fact, uh, uh, this you know uh, global partnership has been, uh, in my opinion, you know, successful at uh, in in many countries all over the world at uh, you know trying trying to ensure the fair distribution uh, of uh, of vaccines, treatments, as well as diagnostic. Uh, testing. We still have, you know, a lot to, to do because uh, like we've mentioned and similar to the uh, certain countries of the Middle East, we still have certain uh, countries that that have poor access uh, to, to vaccines that we need to, to work uh, uh, at. Absolutely. Could I agree with you more? Uh, thank you, Dr. Fazal, for your expertise and uh, thank you for the audience. Uh, uh, during this uh, discussion, I hope that uh, we were able to convey the facts about the importance and the significance of COVID-19 vaccines at protecting uh, against severe outcomes and hospitalization, about the importance of uh, promoting a transparent and factual sharing of information and uh, uh, investing actually in community uh, mobilization to spread the word about uh, COVID-19 vaccines and their ability to protect our uh, communities and to ensure actually the empowerment of healthcare professionals and uh, also supporting governments uh, to uphold national and global uh, health securities during the fight against uh, uh, not only the COVID-19 pandemic, but also a future uh, pandemic and epidemic uh, threats. Thank you again, uh, Dr. Fazal and your, the audience for your attention. Thank you to both our faculty and thank you to our audience for listening to this Touch podcast. You can access more content on COVID-19 vaccination and related topics on Touch Infectious Diseases at www.touchinfectiousdiseases.com.